Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. I feel very lucky. I've gotten to like monopolize Megan Garcia for the last like three episodes and it is so much fun. You guys are so excited every time she comes on. Uh, Megan, I don't know if you know, but I get like tremendous feedback every time I post questions for you on Instagram. People are like, oh my God, I love her so much. She's the best. (laughs) So just a little mood booster for you today. Um, Yeah. Spoiler alert, we have Megan Garcia again on the podcast, and today we're going to be talking about breastfeeding, and specifically breastfeeding and like baby's gut and food intolerances, because we get so, so many questions from mamas about, I had been eating XYZ and my baby seems to be reacting, how do I, like, what do I do, or how do I prevent this going into, like, a nursing relationship? So, so, so many questions about food and nursing um, that we're going to tackle today. So, thank you for being on again, Megan. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. So much fun. It is so much fun. And I learn so much every single episode that we do together. Um, I guess I should probably introduce you again. We'll do a quick little bio um, because some people might be tuning in for the first time and they might be like, well, who is this Megan Garcia? So Megan Garcia is a mama to two boys and lives in Los Angeles. Blah, blah, blah. I can't talk today. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> lives in Los Angeles. She has a master's degree in traditional oriental medicine and is the creator of First Foods and Beyond. Her main gig for the last 10 years has been copywriting editing and researching for folks in the health and wellness industry. When Megan found out she was pregnant with her first baby back in 2011, she began going deep into baby health and wellness, specifically a baby's first 1,000 days, which we have an episode on, by the way, you guys. Um, Her interest in baby health, combined with a big love for all things food and gut related, has become the heart and soul of what she does in her own little corner of the web at MeganGarcia.com. That's you. (laughs) that's you in a nutshell um so that's kind of like where Megan has come from again normally I kind of like ask you to talk about your journey and how you got here but I feel like we've deep dove into that the last couple of episodes why don't we try a different little icebreaker approach um this is my question for you you may or may not have an answer to this if you don't I'm gonna come up with another one but have you ever had a brush with celebrity living in LA yeah I mean I um it's so I feel like if you live in LA um chances are you're going to live next to a celebrity or definitely see them um hang out with them maybe even be in a relationship um with somebody in the industry so I think it's um it's just super common. Um, I also worked at Air One, which is like this little, um, very trendy, like health food store um, near CBS Studios in my like mid, like my late 20s. Um, 
and so it was just yeah like everywhere and and um and it's just super it's it's uh super common for sure and I think like also like working at the tonic bar um you know so there was like this health food store and and we worked or I was in the tonic bar area so basically the stuff that I do now like how I say oh you take your herbs and you mix it with like some milk and you make a tea and it tastes amazing like that comes from that tonic bar experience where um basically we would talk to people who were having um, a variety of health troubles and many of them were models or actors or musicians and um you know you just come up with something that to support their body um and um, and then you kind of like get to know like, okay, like all that, like celebrity fame stuff, it just goes out the window. They're just like human beings, real right. people and <laughs> they struggling. have real body issues, yeah. just like everybody else. Definitely. So that's incredible. Um, it's so weird to me though, like being in San Antonio, Texas, like I don't even know. I mean, that's not an everyday thing. Like if I saw a celebrity, I'd be like, Oh my God, there they are. <laughs> so me walking around LA would probably be like, just I would like to be a fly on the wall to watch that happen. So um, very cool. So like we said, today we're going to deep dive into breastfeeding and food intolerances. Um, We got so many questions, Megan. I know we kind of talked about them a little bit before we started the recording. Um, But basically, we had so many questions, so many good ones that I think we're just going to kind of hit the ground running with listener, like kind of attack them one by one. As long as you're, you're mentally ready. Are you ready? I think so. It's, it's early, so my I'm fresh. My brain is fresh. Yeah, do this. You're not doing coffee, right? Like, do you? No, I don't drink coffee. Do you drink I, um, anything in the morning? I um, do a cacao powder or dark chocolate. Um, that's like usually if I'm like super sluggish, like that, like wakes me up. Um, coffee is way too stimulating for me, and I get eczema on my face, like from coffee. Really yeah. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. That's yeah. a good reason not to drink it, among many yeah. others, I'm sure. I have been playing with um, – I've been doing matcha for the most part, and then I've been trying – because I just love – like, I love the taste of coffee. I've been playing around with timing, so I've been limiting myself to one cup and then trying to do it, like, the first natural cortisol dip of the day within this, like, window, and it seems to be doing Okay. We'll see. I've been I've been testing it out, but I just I miss it so much. Did you had yeah. you ever liked coffee or is oh, it all yeah. always- I used to drink like coffee all the time um until I started getting sensitive to it like probably a couple years ago, like more heart palpitations. Um and my husband, he drinks it all the time and it smells amazing. It's it's lovely. And I wish <laughs> I could like even decaf, um I'll still get like some heart palpitations. So That's just so not crazy. for me. Well, that's very intuitive of you and a way to take care of your body. I'm just like, how can I fit this in? (laughs) Um, On the topic of caffeine, this is a perfect segue into our first question. So we get this question a lot because, as you know, Laura's still nursing and she has her daily boosted cold brew. Um, And so a a couple of people asked, how, what are your thoughts on caffeine and nursing? How does it, does it transfer to the milk to baby? How does it affect the baby? Are there limitations that we should be aware of if we are going to go ahead and consume caffeine while we're nursing? Um, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. um, So caffeine does move through breast milk. That's, that's a for sure thing. Um, But whether or not it affects sleep is 
I think up in the air. Um, there's like various research that shows conflicting things. Um, overall, it appears that it does not interfere with baby sleep. Um, but I would say to judge, base it on your own personal experience. Um, the one thing I did like, you know, cause I got these questions from you last night. So I was like, Oh, let me see if there's any like recent, you know, anything recent that's like popped up. And there's this review that was published in, in 2018. And, um, it showed that, um, one study found a decreased rate of nursing at six months postpartum with caffeine use. So in other words, it may like, you may not be able to breastfeed for as long as you want with caffeine use possibly, but there, I mean, this is just, this isn't like X, Y, Z equals that. Like it's, it's Yeah. So, um, this is suggested. Um, and then the other thing that they found is that chocolate or coffee consumption is linked to colic and it may make eczema worse. Um, and you know, I definitely found that, um, when I was, with my second baby, he was very sensitive to um, uh, many types of food. He had reflux and eczema and all kinds of things happening. Um, and um, like I mentioned earlier, chocolate's like my my stimulant of choice. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely um, used chocolate to get going. Um, and he was sensitive to it. And so I had to cut back a lot. Um, but I didn't cut back all the way because... I just, you know, I need to function as well. So, um, and we'll talk about that later in terms of like whether or not to completely eliminate a food if a baby is sensitive. And I'll just like give a little hint that maybe not. Ooh, a little teaser. (laughs) So with go ahead. Yeah. So with caffeine, it's not necessarily, so like a lot of things people want to know, sleep, obviously, because we want our children to sleep and we want to get as much sleep as possible, yeah. especially during those yeah. like newborn days. So you're saying probably, maybe, maybe, maybe affect sleep. Um, again, probably like you'll say, I'm sure during this episode, but every baby is different and you kind of have to watch, you have to try it and you have to see what happens. Um, yeah. And then in terms of caffeine, some things that you might be looking for would be like, is it linked to colic symptoms or um, eczema type symptoms? So things that you would watch for, like their irritability or like, are there any other signs and symptoms that you would want to like kind of keep your eye on in terms of like caffeine? So for newborns, caffeine, um, it like relaxes the sphincter. So it can produce more like reflux. Um, but colic is a different thing. It's more like pain, intestinal pain. Um, so, you know, just if you have an, a newborn and they're crying a lot, you may want to reduce your caffeine intake um, and um, or completely cut it out and just kind of like roll with it. Um, and then, you know, eczema or just, you know, skin rashes and things like that. Um, that would be a sign. And sleep, it may not have at all an issue. I mean, I've, I've consumed chocolate, which is a very subtle type of caffeine, but like, um, it doesn't have, it doesn't, at least for me, I don't get the same like stimulant effect as I do with coffee, but I've consumed it throughout my entire, you know, postpartum still nursing. We're almost at two years, no effect on sleep. So it really depends on the mom and the baby and it might have an effect. So just be open to that. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. So now we're getting into some kind of like very specific things, but, um, so this, this 
listener was saying, is it true? Like, does the baby outgrow? Like, for for example, food intolerances. Do they outgrow intolerances? Or are you just not noticing the signs and symptoms anymore? For example, like from age like newborn to six months, they were showing a reaction or having it seemed like they were having a response to dairy. And then at six months, maybe you add a dairy back in and now they don't have a, as much of a response or you can't really notice a response anymore. Is it because they're truly growing out of it or is it just because their digestive system is more mature or is it kind of, what is your take on that? So it's both of those. Um, I have a blog post. Um, it's like something like bloody stool or why is there blood in my baby's poop or something like that. Um, and I kind of talk about this. And so um, – Allergies um, to proteins in breast milk are super common, um, and you might even see like blood in the stool. You might see green stool. You might see eczema. So this is all an allergic response to food. And babies tend to, if it's if, like if a baby is healthy and 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 happy and has this happening, um, chances are the baby will outgrow it by twelve months most of the time. Um, and then if the baby is not thriving, then you want to do other things and that's um, a bigger issue. But for the most part, um, it's just super common. And yes, a baby does They're basically their like immune systems are taking in information, maturing, learning how to react to these environmental cues. So yeah, it's, it, it does actually change. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, um, I read a study many moons ago when I, the babies were still young, but it was about how, or maybe it was with you. Maybe it was the, the first episode that we recorded. We were talking about like around six months, the baby's digestive system like changes. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that, did we talk about that? Um, or was that something that I read somewhere? I think, yeah, it was something else. Not okay. Me. <laughs> um, I read that. Have you heard that, though? Like, around – I mean, I feel like that's – again, you're the expert, but that's kind of, like, the the general recommendation when we talk about, like, introducing solids. It's, like, yeah. wait till six months because that's when XYZ happens with the digestive system. Is that true? Um. There's definitely a shift, like around three months, there's, there's a shift, like there's a shift in your baby's ability to handle certain things. And, uh, the baby kind of like stabilizes in certain ways. And then at six months, I mean the biggest, yeah, you're taking in solids. So that's going to change the baby's gut. Um, as far as like, I've heard things about a virgin gut and I don't, there. I haven't seen any like information on that um, in terms of like you can't introduce solids before six months because you're going to destroy the virgin gut. Like to me, that's like kind of like um, a myth. Um, really, like you can introduce solids like from any time, you know, four and a half months, maybe even four months is a little early, but like that in between that four to five month mark. And then onwards into like seven to eight months is usually when a baby kind of starts to accept solids and every baby is different, like you said. So, I mean, um, I think that there's just a natural shift that happens and that is that starts with mom's breast milk. And so that's why it's really important if a mom can to consume allergens and a wide variety of foods, because what it's doing is it's kind of like acclimating the baby to all of these different 
environmental cues. And that way the immune system will not react so strongly. Even if you have eczema or you see that the baby has eczema, you still kind of want to like keep those foods in your diet a little bit. So like not eating like a whole head of cheese, but like maybe having some heavy cream in your tea or coffee or whatever. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> um, like instead of cow milk, you would do goat milk, for example, mm. because, um, goat's milk is hypo like allergenic which means it has like lower amounts of casein that's in cow milk it just has a lower amount so um and i was going to talk about that too a little bit later in terms of um in terms of the goat milk it's actually a really good alternative um but yeah just different things like very small amounts of certain types of foods that may be a trigger are probably a good idea Oh my gosh, you're the best. I love your information so much. I'm taking all the notes right now. Um, okay, so can next question. I feel like we're flying through these, but it's such good information. Can we affect growth and development if we don't eat or avoid certain things? And you kind of alluded that to a little bit, but like I'm, I'm assuming this is like through the breast milk transfer of nutrients. So like, you know, if the, if someone avoids xyz food groups are we potentially affecting the baby's growth and development yes for sure um like is this in terms of like like allergies or i think probably like i mean we could probably just look at this in general like if you know avoiding whole food groups like meats or dairy or like you know fats or I mean however deep you want to go with it but we could start with allergens since that's kind of the main gist of the the podcast but yeah okay um so okay yeah so there's a lot of things that like come through mom's milk um a lot so much and that's why it's so valuable and um you know I think like the most stable parts of breast milk are certain fatty acids Excuse me, I have something in my throat. Um, um, Do you need to drink so water? I have like a bottle over there. I was going to go Go get it. it. Uh, you look You look like you're looking longingly at it. <laughs> I, I think it's past. Actually, okay. Grab it. Um, so, yeah. So, um, certain things do, or a lot passes into the, um, mom's milk and... Um, mm, Thank you. Um, and, um, and I think that's really important to acknowledge, like even like sugar, like the types of sugars that you eat, um, that even has an effect on mom's milk, which you wouldn't, I didn't expect that. Like when I saw it, I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. So like fruit sugar, like the amount of fruit sugar that you eat, there's not a lot in breast milk, but there is a small, small, tiny amount of fruit sugar in breast milk, and that actually can affect the growth of baby in a really big way, which is really fascinating. In a positive or negative way? I'm, I'm curious. I need to be more into it. I was going to say in a positive way. Okay. Yeah, like um, bone mass is greater, for example. That's positive. Yeah. Um, so, and it affects factors that you would not expect. And so I'm actually like this, um, a lot of the questions that you sent in, it kind of like was getting me thinking, I want to like write more about this in a blog post or something. But, um, so there's, I mean, and especially like, you know, there's certain nutrients that are like super important, like, um, choline and DHA and, um, lutein and those all work together to build the brain. And so those all come directly from diet, um, 
DHA especially, I mean, like you want to take in a lot of these nutrients, um, some vitamin D, if you take like 6,400 IUs, you know, you'll have enough to give to baby. I've talked about that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's so much that you transfer to baby. And then in terms of allergens or like food, um, that is also, I see it as actually a type of like nutrient. I mean, even though it's not a building block to create something, like as far as I'm concerned, everything that I've seen lately about allergens and just all the like work that I've done with moms and talking to moms who have a special diet or restricted diet, it's like these allergens are really important for educating your baby's immune system. And they are the equivalent in a way to a nutrient because they help to strengthen the body so that there's not a reaction later on. So, um, and that would be like soy, eggs, dairy, shellfish, tree nuts, all that. Those are the top ones. Wheat, gluten is not an allergy, but it can be. And that's something different too. I mean, like if you have, um, and if you have an autoimmune response to gluten, you know, that is usually passed on through your genes. So breastfeeding does not affect whether or not you pass that on or, or if baby, you know, actually presents symptoms of gluten sensitivity or an autoimmunity. That's fascinating. So I'm trying to work through that in my mind. So for instance, if someone has like celiac, Mm -hmm. um, it's probably not necessarily wise for them to go out and eat gluten so that their, their baby doesn't get celiac. Exactly. So tricky, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so also like when you're pregnant, like you don't want to be inflamed. Mm -hmm. That's not the best thing for baby. So um, it's definitely a tricky situation for sure. But a lot of food intolerances or reactions to food that you might have, say when you're on the AIP diet or because you are on the AIP diet and those disappear, you can actually eat those foods typically Mm -hmm. during pregnancy and you won't have a response. Um, because the body's immune system does this little, you know, flip. Right. And we have a specific question about that. I think we'll dive deeper into that specifically in in a little bit, but that is so fascinating. Okay. And you mentioned like choline and vitamin D and DHA. What would be like an example of if you were cutting out certain food groups, what food groups would you be cutting out? if you were missing those things, like for instance, like does it come mostly from dairy or eggs or is it like eggs? eggs? Would be a one. Yeah. So if you're cutting out eggs out of your diet, you want to make sure somehow that you're getting those. If you're on an AIP diet, that would, that would be a factor because eggs, you know, on the intro AIP. Um, if you're on a low FODMAT diet, then you might not be eating a lot of vegetables. Mm-hmm. So because you have like gut distress um, from eating certain veggies. Um, And you need those vegetables actually because they provide compounds that work with choline and DHA to build your baby's brain. Um, If you're not eating a lot of fish, um, you're gonna have issues with DHA. That's incredible. Yeah, and most people have issues with D, like with like the vitamin D, everyone is deficient in vitamin D, so. Right, I think I went out and got, do what'd you say? Take your vitamin D. Yes. I went out and bought the thorn. I think it was thorn, the vitamin D and K2 drops. And like my kids, I still take them, even though I'm not nursing. My kids, like we'll do it every morning. They just kind of like open their mouth and stick their tongue out and we just give them a couple drops. But yeah, like I routinely test low for vitamin D. Um, And so like you said, like most people kind of need that as a supplement. 
I didn't know how deficient I was in vitamin D and um, for a long time, well, so I, when I was working at the tonic bar, <laughs> the tonic bar, up. I love the tonic bar stories. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like meditating and I was doing a lot of just exploring myself and I was mo I would go from vegan to vegetarian. I was eating a very plant-based diet and, you know, I had this issue with like killing things and one of the gifts of my husband in that relationship is that he he was like, you know, life and death are part of a cycle. And then I was like, yeah, like yin and yang, Chinese medicine, of course, that makes sense. But at the time, you know, like when you're kind of like, I was doing a lot of yoga and meditating and I, it's like all like love and light. But in reality, life is a is a complex mixture of like the good and the bad. It's all a cycle and it's like this beautiful dance. And that's really like the heart and soul of life, right? So anyways, um, but I was really deficient in vitamin D and I had like tooth enamel on the bottom of my teeth and the top of my teeth that was like disintegrated or something. <laughs> it wasn't like fully in place. So it was like my teeth were like, you know, like white, hard enamel and then um along the gum line it was like grayish kind of color um and it looked like it was eroded and there was like big gaps especially in the bottom um so i started using the thorn um supplement um and this was when before i was pregnant with my second baby and um and i used it like off and on and i actually saw an improvement like my enamel started to grow back and i know a lot of moms have issues with like their dental health postpartum and even during pregnancy, dental health is huge. It is so important um, for your baby's health. I mean, just to put this into perspective, like, you know, the womb and the uterine environment, it's not sterile. There are actually microbes there. And the, most of the microbes come from the mouth. They've, like, looked into this. It's interesting. Mind blown. That's yeah, crazy. And, um, you know, there's a big link to preterm birth and dental health. And it's just that there's a lot there. Dental health is huge. It's the beginning of the gut. It's the opening of the digestive tract. It's really, really important. Anyway, so um, vitamin D plays a really important role. And I literally saw like my tooth enamel go from like holes and not healthy, didn't go to the dentist, but it rebuilt fully strong, 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 fully rebuilt with vitamin D and K2 supplement. And that I had to take incredible. a lot of it took some time. But yeah, it's, it's amazing stuff. And so, I mean, that's like my body telling me, okay, this is wrong. And if you take time to listen to your body and you'll see like little signs and symptoms, and that's that's the best gift because otherwise it's like you're guessing and you don't, or you have to get it tested. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Powerful story. Okay. So we kind of touched, I was just like, could talk about that forever. Um, we'll have you back on, I'm sure, for another episode. Um, can we affect – oh, wait, I just asked you that. Is every baby different? So, for instance, this ba this particular listener was, ask was saying that with her first, she avoided eggs and dairy because she believed that there was a food intolerance with her kiddo. And with her second, she hasn't been avoiding those things, and it's not affecting her child. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but, like, do you, what are your thoughts on that? So avoiding dairy – I mean – so just basically, just like for in general, because with her first, there was she felt a link to certain food allergens and the way his he was acting or the or physical symptoms. And with her second, she hasn't found that to be true. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you want to like include that because if possible, um, and and you want to base it on your baby's um, response to to the food. Um, and I have also like a whole blog post on how to introduce allergens to baby. Um, ideally, you want it to come through your 
breast milk first. And the best situation and the least incident of allergies happens um, when the mom is exposing baby to allergens through breast milk and then through weaning. And even if your baby has eczema, um, you still want to, you know, get those allergens in and like a little bit. Okay. okay. To like the latest research and allergies. And that's all in the blog post. And it's all linked. To the okay, stuff. perfect. We'll yeah. link those for sure in the show notes. And so, so, but like, I mean, the, the real question, like, is every baby different? Like, just because you have one child that has food intolerances doesn't mean that your second or third or fourth is going to sure. have the same or any at all. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, um, in, I don't know, like in our like food culture, our diet culture, the culture that we're in right now, like, like you and I, the people that we work with, the people that we talk to, paleo, um, keto, whole 30, all of that. Like there's a lot of fear around gluten and dairy. Um, those are like the major culprits and people think that they're bad. And I mean, I don't eat gluten and I can't do cow dairy, but I don't think they're bad. Like I think, and I, and it's because I've seen that, you know, some people do okay with them. Some people do not. You have gut microbes that will actually break down gluten. Like if you have a healthy gut, you have gut microbes and some are in the mouth, back to the mouth again, some are in the mouth. Um, and they actually help to break down gluten. Like the, you know, so there's like your system is more than just these enzymes. And I've heard, um, you know, like Tom O'Brien and different people talk about how gluten is like inherently bad. And from what I've seen, it really depends on the person. Um, it depends on your history of antibiotic use. It depends on your personal history and what you pass on to your baby. No guilt around that or anything yeah. like that. Like it's just like our environment and our, this is what we're in right now. And everyone is dealing with antibiotic exposure and tox exposure to different chemicals and compounds. And this is, this is, you know, where we're at. So, right. um, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I was watching a documentary just to go off topic. It was many, it was like a couple of years ago, but it was talking about gluten. Well, it was about bread. The document, I yeah. forget what, it's on Netflix. Anyways, um, it was about bread and it was talking about like traditionally, like bread has always been made with gluten, right? Like it always has gluten in it, but we haven't always seen that gluten has been such a like, what's the word? Inflammatory thing. Like in years past, like, 50, 100, however many years passed, like, it wasn't a thing. Like, people didn't have, like, gluten sensitivity. Um, and talking about, like, traditional breads were made that way and how, like, even, like, we need to talk about sourdough, sourdough starters where, like, there's gluten in there, but, like, it reacts differently. And so I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I can do gluten in small amounts. And I almost feel guilty saying, like, I have gluten occasionally <laughs> and then nothing bad happens to me. <laughs> um, but like I've tried it and there was a time like a couple of years ago and especially in postpartum where like it really um, upset me, my stomach, but we've done a lot of healing and now it's like I can have it occasionally without like a severe reaction. So I'm really glad that you, you said that too. And that makes me, I don't know if anyone asked this, but during pregnancy, what you eat, does it, affect I know we have one that's a little bit more in depth on about AIP during pregnancy but like does it affect your baby's risk of having like food intolerances yes. or anything like that okay so tell me a little bit more about that so okay. like if you I actually I don't know this by heart okay because 
I wish I was an encyclopedia, but I'm not. <laughs> You're supposed to know everything, <laughs> Megan. I I did a Instagram stories on this, and then I took like notes because I was like, okay, you guys, this is what I found. Um, and so it's actually the Instagram, or it's not a story, it's a Instagram live, and then it's the only Instagram live that I did. No, I did two actually. That was the second one that I did, and then I turned it into a TV thing. So you can go on my Instagram, and it's the only like little TV show that I have. Okay. Um, and it talks about this, but I will, let me see if I can find it. Um, basically the, I don't know if I can find it. Um, the things that you eat. Okay. There it is. I think totally during pregnancy is important. Expose yourself to all the farm animals and all the allergens that you can. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Go out there and live um, because <laughs> it will build up your baby's immune tolerance. Um, when breastfeeding, do the same thing. Um, when weaning, yes, expose your baby to puppy dogs and you know and dirt. And, uh, dirt and <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, okay. So here are like some things that I can um, read off for you. So high maternal intake of fruit and vegetables was found to be protective against um, asthma. Um, Fatty acid intake, which is fats, DHA, that type of thing, lots of seafood, protects against allergies, and this is all during pregnancy. Um, A higher maternal intake of margarine, so like margarine is like, you know, fake butter. Uh, Vegetable oils during the last four weeks of pregnancy is linked to a, was positively associated with eczema, which means it was linked to eczema. And a high maternal fish intake was inversely associated. So that means that, like, if you ate a lot of fish and seafood, then you had less incidence of eczema during pregnancy. And this was within the first two years um, in the offspring. (laughs) Hi, friends. Laura here with some exciting news. Four Sigmatic has come on as a Modern Mamas podcast sponsor. We are so excited. If you've been following along with my Instagram stories, especially, you've seen that I use this stuff every single morning. The Lion's Mane Elixir is my absolute favorite. I add it to my boosted coffee for an extra boost of brain clarity, productivity, and focus that I genuinely did not experience until I started adding this in every day. They also make other elixirs like Rishi for calming, Cordyceps for an energy boost, and Chaga for an immune boost. Along with those elixirs, they also have really cool blends. I love the Lion's Mane and Coffee blend when I travel because I don't have to worry about getting my hands and lips on high quality coffee. I have it ready to go. All you need is hot water, you mix in the blend and you're set. They have caffeine, caffeine-free options as well, like a chai latte and a turmeric latte for gut health and skin glow and all they have all kinds of incredible blends. I cannot recommend enough that you go check out their website, find whatever mushroom blend is, is going to fit with your lifestyle and give it a try. The awesome folks at Four Sigmatic have offered our listeners, you guys are special, you get 15% off any order. If you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash modern mamas or simply type in modern mamas, all lowercase, all one word at checkout, you get 50% off. Check it out, see what fits your life and happy shrooming your child um the so technical <laughs> um higher maternal peanut intake um so peanuts like there's a big like peanut leap study whatever um and that's in my blog on allergens um i ta- i walk you through step by step how to do allergens it's really fabulous um 
And so high, high maternal peanut intake during the first trimester is associated with a 47% reduced risk of peanut allergies. Ooh. So there's that. Um, higher maternal wheat intake during the second trimester is linked to a reduced incidence of eczema. So you eat wheat during your second trimester and you have a less, less you're less likely to get eczema. Uh, or your baby is less likely to get eczema. Um, <clears throat> is this interesting to you? Oh my God, this is so interesting because I'm just thinking, I, I want to, you're on a roll here, but like I'm just thinking because uh, me personally, like, and I know a lot of mamas out there put this, you know, we eat a certain way. We were very paleo before we got pregnant and then yeah. pregnancy happens and you're like, oh my God, all I want is Taco Bell or all I want is like a burger or... <laughs> Yeah, and you feel so guilty though, right? Like you're like, I feel so bad. I haven't eaten a vegetable. I mean, obviously you want to try and get vegetables when you can, but like I haven't eaten a vegetable the first trimester. And (laughs) now it's basically saying maybe that's a protective mechanism where we're craving all of these things that we don't typically have. And maybe there's a positive side to it. Definitely. So all of these things, these like quote unquote bad foods, they build your baby's immune tolerance. Definitely go for quality. Like Mm -hmm. if you're going to eat like, you know, pizza, get like the organic sprouted, whatever pizza (laughs) or make it or, you know, probably don't make that's a lot of work, but like go for quality if you can. I know when I was pregnant with my first baby, I went to like in and out a few times. I had whole foods pizza a few times and actually his immune system is a little bit more like able to tolerate things better than my second baby who I eat super clean with him, like clean as in, you know, paleo, Um, you know, definitely include veggies, definitely include seafood or take all of the supplements that have these things in Mm -hmm. them. Um, Whole food supplements, um, high quality supplements like, um, the Rosita cod liver oil would be a good one. Um, you know, there's um, that one company, Pure Synergy. They have a prenatal that has a lot of plant compounds in it. That's awesome. Um, also, Seeking Health has a prenatal that is very synthetic, actually, but I love it. It's my favorite um, because it has a really high amounts of certain nutrients, but it also has a lot of plant compounds because the guy who made it, he gets like, okay, these are these have a really important impact during pregnancy. Um, so plant foods are super important. Seafood is really important. Don't do margarine. Don't do vegetable oil so much. Um, you know, go for quality, but eat, eat all the foods if you want to. Yeah. And I know a lot of people during pregnancy, kind of like you mentioned before, maybe they, you know, have Hashimoto's or they have, you know, a reaction to those foods normally in pregnancy. It's like this golden time where your body is like, you got this. It's okay. Like, it's okay. Like you can yeah. eat whatever you want to. Let's be the healthiest version of ourselves that we possibly can be, um, which is incredible. And then I'm going to actually ask another follow-up question. You mentioned seeking health. You're talking about, that's Dr. Lynch's company, right? Yeah. So, and you mentioned that like it's, it's synthetic. And yeah. so, but you also said that it's one that you really like. So we always get this, this, thing playing like food-based prenatal whole food prenatal like why in this instance would you recommend the synthetic maybe over like a a whole food based prenatal because whole food based okay well for starters a lot of whole food based prenatals they actually they're not entirely whole food based they say they are but they're there's they're, they're like um they take synthetic vitamins they may ferment them using foods and then they because they include 
whole foods in the vitamin. They can say they're whole food based, but it's actually synthetic mixed with whole foods. What and that and you see that like a lot with like vegan vitamins or multis. Um, it's it's just really common. I think the only true whole food vitamin that I know of is from that company, um, Pure Synergy. Mm. I think they do that. Um, but other companies, they actually do a mix of synthetic and whole foods. So it's not, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Oops. <laughs> Can you hear me? So there's a little bit of a marketing confusion there, mm-hmm. which, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's easy to, and, and it's so easy for us to think, oh, it's whole food. It's better for the body. The body can understand it and use. And I used to think that too. Um, <clears throat> you know, I when with my first pregnancy, I focused a lot on food. Um, and, and I've read blog posts where people say, don't even supplement. Um, they suggest to moms, like don't supplement and just eat a really amazing Weston A. Price style diet. And that is good enough because our ancestors didn't supplement. And if you're like really like a purist and you're really like into food quality and that might sound really attractive, but the reality is our genes are very different. Um, our ability to absorb and use nutrients are very different than what they used to be. Our exposure to certain nutrients, for example, just the sunshine, like how I know for me, and I'm working on this because, um, like self care, like hashtag self care, but like (laughs) I spend so much time indoors and I, you know, I work from home, so I don't even like have to go out and drive to go to work. Like, and I end up and I go to yoga class and then like, you know, I just like work from home all the time and And it's so bad. I don't go outside as much. And, and I think a lot of people have that they, you know, they, they get up, they go to work, they come home, we spend so much time indoors. And if you think about it, like vitamin D comes from the sunshine, and we used to live outdoors, we were constantly exposed to the dirt and the sand and the sun. And like this does really amazing things for the gut, like vitamin D actually changes the ecosystem in the gut, which is kind of wild because we hear about how it's connected to the immune system, but it literally changes like the tribes of microbes living in the gut. Like it's fascinating. So vitamin D is huge, so important. And that's just one nutrient that is like affected by our modern lifestyle. So Ben Lynch, his, um, his prenatal is super high in vitamin D and vitamin A. If you take the Ben Lynch, uh, prenatal, I would not do cod liver oil with it because that's also high in vitamin A. I would do more like salmon oil or just like a standard fish oil. Um, but yeah, I mean, synthetic vitamins are totally fine and we need them. And, you know, my whole dental health story that I went to is a perfect example right, of just right. like the power of synthetic vitamins. Um, and foods do have equivalents or easy to absorb. I mean, I would say like probably iron is an example of something that hands down the best form is in meat. Like Mm -hmm. iron is the best, any kind of synthetic iron, it doesn't even come close to how it's used and absorbed in the body. So there are some exceptions. That is so fascinating. Oh my gosh. I could talk about that at length for another hour or two. So we'll add that to the list of of podcast topics you're going to come back and talk on. Um, okay, we got to keep rolling. We got so much good yeah. stuff here. So this one is on the reintroduction of dairy and the timing of it. So for instance, it looks like this list, particular listener took dairy out of her diet because of an association um, with her baby, a food reaction. So she wants to now try and to, to reintroduce it. Um, so she, and you kind of mentioned this already, but should she reintroduce like previously pumped milk that was 
like tainted, quote unquote, with dairy. So yeah. she experimented with it directly herself and nurse. Like, what's your your recommendation on that? Um, how old is the baby? She is, didn't is say. Okay. Yeah, I think I probably want to say maybe six months, but I might be making that up. Totally. So, I mean, yeah, definitely if she wants to give the baby milk that, you know, um, from when she was eating dairy, that is great. And do that in conjunction with offering the baby foods or solids um, that contain dairy. Um, You want to, when introducing like allergens, I talked about this in my post, um, you want to do allergens that you know are an issue after solids have been established. Um, So that's really important. Um, And then very small amounts. And then for dairy in particular, um, you know, she may want to start with some of the goat milk. That would be a good thing um, because, you know, again, it has some similar proteins to cow milk or the same, um, but it has lower quantities. Um, And then fermented as well is a little bit easier to digest fermented dairy um like yogurt kefir i'm like it's totally blanked on that i'm like what is fermented dairy duh it's yogurt um okay gotcha perfect um and then with that she kind of had a part two question you know milk after one do babies need cow milk? Is there a better alternative? Like I know a lot of people will do like almond milk or coconut milk or hemp milk. Like what is your thoughts on that? This is a very hot topic. My kids love, I'll just say like my kids love raw goat milk. We do. Oh my God. We go through so much raw goat milk mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we can get that in California. I don't know. I think not everyone can get that um, in the country, but um, we do a lot of raw goat milk. Um, goat milk is fabulous. the calcium and the iron are actually easier to absorb cow milk there's a risk of if your baby so a lot of toddler not a lot but I've seen toddlers that are like you know quote unquote picky eaters and they drink a lot of cow milk um and you know if it's pasteurized there may be um constipation and the problem with too much cow milk is iron deficiency um and that's a really big issue for babies um you know, that's not as big of an issue for goat milk because the iron and the calcium are better absorbed. And they actually have seen with goat milk higher stores of iron in like bone marrow and the and the spleen and I think the liver as well. So it actually increases um, iron stores, which is kind of fascinating. Um, so, you know, um, I think if it's in your family and you guys and, and your family does it and it's like totally what you do, then fine, go for it. If you're, if you eat a paleo diet, um, or a restricted diet, um, gosh, I mean, you know, okay. There's like the issue of allergens, like it's an allergen. So you want to get it into baby. Um, and then, you know, I have seen research with plant milks and how, you know, I mean, obviously goat and cow milk will, or other types of milk, camel milk, it's going to support baby's growth and plant milks will not as much. Um, and you know, there's research to back that up. Um, plant milks are, they're just not the same. I would just do food. You know, they, they don't offer the equivalent in terms of like nutrition, um, as milk and not that milk has everything for sure. It does not. Um, but it is a very nutrient dense food, cheese, any kind of dairy, um, it's it's a good source of nutrition, and um, plant foods are not an equivalent, even though they may taste the same. They are not nutritionally the equivalent. 
So just do food like sardines and um, liver and just meat. Lots of lots of animal foods if you can. Right. That's right. We drink milk. We drink dairy yeah. milk in our family. Um, we can get raw grass-fed milk here in San Antonio through a little loophole um, in the laws. Um, but, like, I've never noticed anything with my kids. I've never noticed any reaction. They don't – they have very regular – there's no eczema, no – It's I, raw, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So pa- with pasteurized – I mean, not with every baby, but I see it a lot. Like, pasteurized milk seems to cause a lot of constipation. Really? Raw milk is, like, the opposite. just gets just- things – Moving. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm assuming there's lots of like microbes and like gut boosting things in a raw milk that is completely shocked out of it and pasteurized, right? I mean, I'm not an yeah. expert, but like, yeah. Okay. And then goat milk. That's interesting. I've, I mean, I've heard like about it, but if you, for your, like based on what you know and the research that you've done, you would recommend just across the board, like goat milk over cow milk for the most part? No. No, I would just do what feels right for your family. I mean, we do. I was like, we do that because mm-hmm. I am obsessed with goat milk too, and I drink it all the time. <laughs> um, and I think, like, I mean, it, it just depends on the person. Like, some people do really well with dairy. Um, some people don't. You know, in like the field of nutrigenomics, um, there's, um, you know, there there there's genes that will like code for enzymes that help to digest milk sugars so that might be part of it I mean it and that there's so many factors that go into your ability to digest milk it could be you know something more gut related it could be genetic it could you know who knows do what works for you if milk doesn't work for you then and your family um it's one of those things that yes it's an allergen I mean I don't know like so there's people that you know that don't do a lot of like milk and dairy right Mm -hmm. like so okay oh yeah I mean and I do I was the same way when I like first started paleo in the first like three years I did it, it was like dairy's bad I'm not not gonna eat dairy like I know it's yeah. bad for me and then now like you said I'm I'm kind of like scratching the surface in nutrigenomics and like epigenetics and all that stuff and individualized like nutrition meaning like not strictly adhering to like rigid dietary things as a blanket statement and kind of experimenting with a lot of those things that myself where previously it was like I don't do gluten I don't do peanuts I don't do xyz because this because I'm paleo and so I don't know where I'm going with this but yeah we've we've experimented with it in our family and it seems to be okay but it's like if the time comes and things are not great or guts are not healthy and happy then it's like okay we'll take a deeper look like what are we eating is it something that we're consuming is it something that we're not consuming so yeah 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 so I think like the overall message when it comes to whether or not to give your baby dairy is like um just don't be afraid of it like with especially with the community that we speak to a lot of times you know um it's very health-minded very smart moms who just like know everything about this and And I think sometimes like it ends up where we're afraid of certain foods because, you know, there's so much information that kind of um, teaches that it might not be good for you. And so just, you know, um, it's okay to try it out and and not be afraid of it. You're taking out your hair and fixing your hair and it makes me want to do that. (laughs) Well, I can't quite. And like, this is what video does. I keep seeing myself and I'm like, whoa. (laughs) 
Um, I'll stop that now. Let's see. Okay. Green and mucusy stool. What does it mean? Do you have a blog post on that? I did. Well, um, bloody stool. stool. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. So the main thing that I think I want to communicate here is the blog post is, is definitely worth reading. Um, there is, I, there is information about like high milk and four milk and the imbalance there. My personal experience, I never talk to moms like that never comes up in my, when I talk to moms and I don't know, um, if it's because they, they've tried all the things and so now they're trying to figure out what, you know, else is missing from what they're doing. Um, but it just never comes up the hind milk for milk thing. Um, for me, um, it's always usually some sort of dietary change will help with green mucousy stools. Um, usually you see it when baby's a newborn, um, and usually mom has to change their diet and remove or reduce common allergens. But the number one thing that I really want to communicate here is, um, that you can majorly impact your baby's stools. And sometimes you'll have colic with the stools, or sometimes you'll have eczema with like the mucousy stools. There's two things you can do. Do a probiotic, low histamine probiotic, gut pro infant, and do some, um, a beta glucan prebiotic. And so you can get that from Seeking Health or from, um, Clara Labs. And the Clara Labs one that I talk about all the time is called, um, the Galactomium. Uh, and that one, um, and you can link to it, it's Galactomune, um, and it is milk-based. And so a lot of moms will see that and be like, oh, I need to avoid dairy. I can't take this. But in reality, if you try it, if you do a little bit of the prebiotic and a little bit of the probiotic a few times a day, a couple times a day, depending on how your baby is, it will resolve those mucousy stools. So do those two things, prebiotic, probiotic combo. It will help to take care of Usually it won't completely resolve eczema. You might need to do a few other things for that, but it will help with eczema. It will definitely help with baby sleep and colic and reflux. Um, and it will also help with the mucousy stools. And it may not, you know, my, my second baby, he had, I did everything right for him, you know, birth wise, like no, no kind of intervention. We had a hospital birth, but like no interventions, breastfed. I had to like, um, exclusively pump. I did like all the like quote unquote right things. And he had horrible reflux, eczema. His stools were never like that, that like mute, that yellow mustardy color. Never. They've always been like off. Um, so, you know, um, I just want to keep that, put that out there too. Yeah, that's powerful because I mean, I think that's the expectation. It's like, but I did every, I did X, Y, Z, right. And I still have these issues and it's like, do it right. Yeah. Like even if, you know, if you didn't do it right, you feel guilt or yeah. you, know, you did do it right. So you deserve, you know, whatever the perfect thing, but no, like <laughs> it's not always like that. And it doesn't, so, yeah, like all the, yeah, it's not about that. And, <laughs> and you just have to kind of roll with like what your baby is presenting and be like, okay. And I, the, the prebiotic probiotic combo can help in so many different ways. And that's because the, the prebiotic has some of the beta glucans and that actually works with baby's immune system in a really, um, powerful way, as opposed to like GOS, which is more of like the prebiotic that you would find in, um, uh, probiotic, like the Clara labs probiotic contains GOS in it. Um, and so, 
I really encourage those two products specifically, um, do that combination, um, and it will help a lot. Perfect. Okay, rolling. So we kind of talked about this. It, I'll, I'll ask it just in case you have anything to add to it. But it, this listener asks, if you've been avoiding gluten and dairy because the baby had eczema, besides skin changes, what changes in poop can you see that indicates an issue like with those th- things? Um, you may not see any um, changes in stool. I mean, that's I, – I feel like um, – it, it's kind of like hit or miss in terms of like um, there's no for sure thing that you will see, but I do think like, and this is true for adults too. Like if there's gut issues, you're going to see it in your skin, you're going to see it in your mood, you're going to see it in your stool, right? Mm-hmm. So or your digestion or like gas bloating, all that stuff. So um, if there's like any skin issues, if there's for mood, it would be like um, more in toddlers and children. Like it's really obvious um, for babies. I mean. Yeah, I don't know if they have any moods. They have the feed me mood. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Okay. So this one, I'm going to save the AIP one for last. We're going to jump to the one before that. But what food should be avoided when breastfeeding a baby with reflex? You talked a little bit about this in the beginning. Um, So let's do that one first. Any foods that we should avoid when a baby has reflux? Yeah. Um, so you may, so if your baby has like really bad reflux, you may need to go through a period while, okay. So obviously you don't suggest to completely cut out foods because of the whole like building immune tolerance thing. But, um, um, you may need to avoid certain foods for a while. And those would be like cruciferous veggies. That can be a huge problem. That's like, you know, um, cauliflower, um, which you wouldn't expect, but cauliflower, um, kale, broccoli, bok choy, all the cruciferous mustardy kind of like vegetables. Um, those can be a huge issue. Veggies from like the um, onion family um, can sometimes be a huge issue. And all of the allergens, like the top allergens, that would be like eggs maybe or nuts or um, dairy, all of the things that, we, you know, the, the main allergens. Um, and then caffeine that was another big one that we just talked about um so it's so every baby is so different and and it's really it's like so hard because you're in this like postpartum fog I don't know sometimes I feel like I was in it for a really long time Mm -hmm. I mean it's not just those three months or whatever um and it can be really hard though especially in that newborn time to make these dietary changes so do the best you can um with reflux do the prebiotic probiotic combo, do the best you can with food, try to eliminate because what's going to happen, or at least what I've noticed is what happens is like, say you eat like some cauliflower because you're like, Oh, this is amazing. I'm gonna make a soup with cauliflower. (laughs) Just pack it in. I have no idea that this is going to cause problems or it probably won't. And then it does. And then your baby's like screaming and colicky and has reflux the whole night. And so you get the prebiotic probiotic combo. The baby gets some sleep. There's some relief. I mean, if you don't have that like little the, that toolkit, it should. I feel like it's like a good gift for moms, like you know, when they first have their baby. It's like that essential because if you don't have that, then you might run to the drugstore and get some Gerber smooth, soothing drops or whatever, and that might help a little bit. But it really doesn't give baby that like amount of relief where you can sleep, the baby can sleep. I mean, it's just such, uh, it's incredible. <laughs> You're That's crazy. If we ever yeah. have another one, I'm, I mean, we use the clear labs. I don't think it was the galacto Did they have another one, a ba- like an infant? 
um, pre- probiotic. Yes. Yeah. So the galactoimmune is the the prebiotic, is what you're saying. The prebiotic from Claire Labs, and so the Gut Pro um, probiotic is really awesome because it is low in histamine producing strains of uh, probiotics, and there, you know, histamine and reflux in adults, that's totally a thing. I don't know. I mean, I haven't really seen anything like science or anything on this um, for babies. Um, I've thought about it a lot. But like, I think when a baby has reflux, you want to do low histamine, obviously, because yeah. thing for Yeah. So, um, so I would go for a low histamine probiotic or um, so and, and, and histamine in what I mean, when I say that is basically, there are certain strains of probiotics that will either produce histamine, they don't affect histamine levels at all, or they actually break it down. So you want those strains that break down histamine. Um, histamine is a thing that like causes like rashes and, and, and like hives and makes you itchy and it like opens up the vasculature. And so, um, it's very connected to inflammation. Um, and if you have histamine overload, you're like kind of like having all these symptoms like eczema, for example, because there's like excess histamine in the body. So like one of the, I think I did a blog post on this too, on histamine and eczema and that kind of like goes into that world. That's cool. I know Dr. Lynch has a, an adult pro like pro histamine or a histamine free probiotic that I've been hearing such good stuff about I'm actually probably going to check that out myself um I like the gut pro better okay you like, like the gut pro better yeah I don't for I'm yourself gonna, or I, for kiddos for myself okay <laughs> myself I've noticed I mean I try out a lot of things on myself and my family they're like my little guinea pigs <laughs> yeah I mean they're um, the perfect little guinea pigs um but we try out like a lot of different supplements and um I like it I think it's good I like gut pro better I think there's a little bit more of a balance and I quite I need to look at the formulas I guess to like pinpoint what it is um it might work for some people it might be better suited for adults um I think I'm, I'm not sure the, the seeking health or the gut pro? Um, it's high in the bifidobacteria, though, which is great because babies, um, especially like breastfed babies, um, they have high levels of the bifidobacteria, and that's what you want to supplement with. Um, if your baby isn't breastfed, um, you really want to get those bifidobacteria in baby. Awesome. Um, do you have any recommendations on formulas for babies who have reflux if breastfeeding is not an option? Um, hip HA is really great. The hip um, hypoallergenic formula is, is good. Um, is that the one that's German? Yeah. German? They're, okay. they're hall. Hall, like they leave a lot of stuff out. So I would like actually add in some things like some cod liver oil, some prebiotics if you do hall. Um, but it's also, it's as hard to get, if not harder to get than hip. So, um, I like hip a lot. Um, and they have their, the, the hip HA is, um, milk based, but I've seen babies who don't tolerate dairy do very well with it. Um, and then another good formula is the happy baby, happy family formula. Um, that one is not necessarily for reflux, um, but it's a pretty good formula. Um, and then Munchkin, um, they're supposed to come out with one. Um, they have a toddler one, and I've been waiting for their baby one to come out. Um, Munchkin, the Munchkin. brand that has like all the yeah. like feeding supplies. Looks it looks good. It looks, oh, cool. Um, has like some. It's uh, very clean, clean products in it. So we'll see. see That's cool. I know when we had Dr. Lynch on um, the podcast, that was so long ago. He said that Seeking Health is working on a a baby formula. 
That's so awesome. I, I, I want to like, I was, you know, I mean, I read so much about this and I always look at his stuff and then I'm thinking like, I want to make my own formula. I wish I could like get in contact with Dr. Lynch and then make something with him. You should. (laughs) I mean, that's like me dreaming. Yes. One day, one day. Yeah. I bet he's going to create something really special. And I, in general, I really love like everything he does. He does some really great stuff and he really supports moms and, um, he just seems like really invested in like the future and children are our future. So he is, his episode was mind blowing. I love him so much. Um, okay, let's tackle the last one cause it's a big one and then we'll, we'll have to say goodbye, but okay. This one we spoke to a little bit and I'm super curious as to your full answer. So this particular listener got pregnant while on an AIP diet. She stayed and she credits the being on the AIP diet to her ability to get and stay pregnant. Um, after some trying. And so she stayed on AAP while pregnant because essentially she was scared to create inflammation in her body yeah. um, while she was pregnant. And then she, her daughter ended up having severe allergies to nuts, dairy, soy, eggs, whites, and yolks, all the foods that she eliminated on her AIP diet. Um, she feels a very overwhelming sense of guilt. I just really felt for this listener when she was you know, when we were talking on Instagram, um, she wants to get pregnant again, but she's scared to go back to AIP because she's afraid that the same thing's going to happen. I mean, this is not just like, oh, my daughter gets a little upset when she has egg yolks, like her tummy's upset. Like it is a legit food allergy. So is she on the AIP diet right now? It didn't seem like she was because I don't think they're nursing. Any- I think her daughter's like two now. And she's the reason why she was asking is because that she's going to go to preschool and she's super nervous because like... Yeah. You know, that's hard to limit those foods in that environment. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this is like, I feel like I see this a lot and it's exactly what we're talking about, you know, like on restricted diets, you know, do these restricted diets actually prime baby's immune system to be overreactive and have an allergy or have eczema? Um, and this is a really important question that I think is worth talking about and you know having a conversation around um for you know if she's not on the AIP diet right now then that's great I don't think she is right now so that's you know that that that's really fabulous in terms of you know the the more foods that you can include the better um but there are some people that you know can't do certain foods that will never be able to do like wheat gluten for example it's just not an option and so those foods might forever be out of their diet and and not in their home. And you never know if they do have an allergy. Maybe it comes up later um, or they have an immune response to it. Um, so <clears throat> I think it's important to be as liberal as possible within the realm of your own health and safety. Yeah. So like kind of like we were alluding to, like if she gets pregnant again, trying those foods that she, you know, previously cut out of her diet because she had a reaction to see like maybe things are different um or like you said if it's if she can't do dairy try and go try and do goat milk because they're very similar but different or things of that nature essentially yes exactly and you know my experience with AIP um and what I know about it is that you know your response may be you know on a spectrum like it might be really horrible or this like a little bit of this food might cause a little something and you're like oh like this isn't right my body does not like this um I will say that 
from like the perspective of like the gut and the ecosystem of the gut, the more foods that you limit, the more sensitive you sometimes are to them because you know, your microbes like keep you alive. Like without our microbes, we would not even be able to exist. And so it's really like they, they feed and they diversify. Um, well, food feeds them and the guts diversify based on how much and what type of foods you feed yourself and your gut. So, um, having that, wide range of food is really important um and yeah on so many levels and inflammation of course like you want to keep that in check um but play with it essentially play with it in a safe range to see as much as you can exactly exactly okay because there's a spectrum of a response perfect and i I think i might have missed in the beginning but you did say there is a link to avoiding foods during pregnancy i think we talked about the very beginning and like intolerances that show up or allergies that show up later with your kiddos when they're yes. okay for sure like so that whole like list of stats that I was like reading off and then at the end I was like is this interesting <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing is basically like you leave out wheat like wheat for example if you don't eat wheat during the second trimester your baby's risk for eczema goes up so I mean definitely there is a link between avoiding certain foods during pregnancy and probably during weaning and breastfeeding all that like if you don't include certain foods there is a greater risk of food allergies and eczema which is a type of allergy gotcha okay i think we hit it all do we hit it all i'm looking at the list okay oh my gosh this is going to be the best episode ever i cannot wait people are like going to be waiting with bated breath to hear um thank you so much again megan I just love all of our episodes and our chat time. Um, And I know you, I'm going to include a lot of your blog posts in the show notes, but tell people if they want to find you, connect with you, stalk you, ask you all the questions, where can we find you? Um, You can find me on Instagram and Facebook um, and MeganGarcia.com. And I have a library of there's construction going. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Um, I have a library of free eBooks, um, that you can download. Um, and there's a couple on nutrition, um, which moms might find really useful. There's some on massage for baby, um, which is really great way to connect with baby. If you're having like, um, postpartum anxiety or depression or anything like that, um, massage can be a great way to kind of like just take things to a more physical level and kind of like bypass that, like a mental, emotional, stuff that you're feeling um so there's that um and oh and i just hooked up like the messenger thing to my facebook so i won't miss your facebook messages anymore (laughs) people people are gonna just hunt you down and ask you all the questions Um, respond it's not like um it's just because i'm life Yes. Yeah, and 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 I do my best to to get to people, and and I love also, and I think I talked about this in the second or the last episode that we did. Um, I I truly like love connecting with other moms. It, it feels really fun, and it's just it, I don't know. It feels amazing. It's like the community. It's that the, the community mom vibe. I love it. So yes, absolutely. You need to. Awesome. Okay, friends. Well, thanks again for being here, Megan. If you like what you are listening to please rate us and review us on iTunes. We love that. That's how we get in front of more and more mamas and partners. Um, You can also find Laura and I on social media. I'm at just.hold the space and she is 
at laura.radicalroots. And you can connect with us also in our Modern Mamas Facebook group, as well as through email where you can shoot us questions or ideas for interviews at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. We hope you guys have a good day. Talk to you later, Megan. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.